You're listening to Alternative Thinking, Both Sides of the Coin, a production of the Canadian Association of Alternative Strategies and Assets, where we explore today's markets and alternative investments from two distinct perspectives. In this episode, we speak with a tech company that is speeding the time and reducing the energy required to complete fund documentation, as well as a venture bank that invests in tech plays like this. Both explain their strategies for navigating their respective markets and what they see as the future of fundraising and investing during and after this COVID world of ours. James Brown is the president and co-founder of CASA. All opinions expressed during the show by James and our show guests remain their own and should be used for informational and educational purposes only. Find out more about CASA at casa.ca. Welcome, everybody. Today is April 3rd, and we have uh, Rebecca Kakaba at DealMaker and Shez Samji with Silicon Valley Bank speaking today about what's happening in the venture capital and, uh, and issuer raising market. Uh, let's start with self-introductions. Uh, tell us a bit about your company, your, your background, uh, and what uh, maybe what you've been doing lately with, with your shop. Uh, we'll start with Rebecca. Sure. Thanks, James. Uh, so my name is Rebecca Kasaba. I'm the CEO and co-founder of DealMaker, which is a cloud-based software that automates capital raising activity, private placements, fund formation, and KYC. I've been at this two years. Prior to that, I was a partner at two major law firms in the securities and capital markets practice, where I founded a startups practice and was head of the venture technology groups. Oh, great. Thanks. And then somewhat related from Silicon Valley Bank. Let's hear uh, from you, Shaz. Right. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm Shaz Samji. I'm a managing director at Silicon Valley Bank, um, part of the senior leadership team to help build out the uh, Canadian banking practice. Uh, and uh, the bank recently opened up, uh, has its official license to conduct business about a year and a half ago. Uh, and so we've been building a team here. Um, Silicon Valley Bank, broadly speaking, is a uh, tech and healthcare focused bank. We lump those two into the knowledge base or innovation economy. So we're an industry specialist that serves underlying companies in that specific space and investors who deploy capital in that space. I focus on uh, the actual investors uh, who are um, backing these these companies in the tech and healthcare ecosystem. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Um, so I guess a bit of background and I got a bit more drill down questions. So the Silicon Valley, I guess, started 30 years ago. Uh, when, when did you start the office in Toronto and kind of what's the breakdown of number of employees in each, each spot. Um, and then uh, what's what's maybe the plan for that going forward? I'm interested also in the investors. Is that like individual investors or is it more um, sponsor loans with the uh, with the, the venture capitals uh, uh, funds? Yeah. So if you starting with kind of the the number of employees, so there's 20 of us now in Toronto. Oh, wow. It's split half half between kind of front and back office. Uh, we uh, we received our license to do uh, business, so that's deploy loans mm-hmm. um, in Canada um, from OSFI about a little over a year ago, um, and that enabled us to really build out the, the sales side of the business. So ramped and scaled up fairly quickly there. Uh, we brought in a number of individuals from the States as well to, to, to come in and, and um, enable the best practices that they've established uh, in that side of the business to Toronto. And we've also been employing uh, local Canadians as well. Uh, and we, we focus on two areas. So um, we work with companies that are venture backed uh-huh. uh, and we will um, pr- 
provide venture debt loans to those businesses to help augment their capital structure and their runway to the next uh, raise mm. for their business. And that's one portion of the book, and that's split between healthcare and tech from an industry perspective. The other half is actually what we call capital call lines of credits, which are um, uh, less risky loans. And those are loans that work that are um, uh, enabled in, in long end or closed end fund structures. Um, we're not necessarily lending against the companies that the fund mm-hmm. is deploying capital, but the investors who have uh, committed to those funds. So if you think of a, a private equity fund or a venture capital fund, you might have teachers as that investor. So we're lending against teachers commitment there um, to that fund and to honor their, to honor their commitment to call capital um, for those set funds and uh, less risky business, but it allows us to, to build out the portfolio from a 50, 50% composition where we can then have our kind of deploy uh, more capital on the riskier side, which is, you know, venture backed uh, or mm-hmm. debt loans uh, to both tech and healthcare companies. So we work with a gamut of investors, uh, direct VCs for the most part, um, but also sponsors as well on the private equity side. But again, we're industry specialists. So if it's a healthcare buyout opportunity or a SaaS buyout opportunity on the larger end side of the deal, we could be uh, a lender in that type of transaction. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I guess on the 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 uh, latter part you mentioned, but the so it's got it was maybe warehousing using your your uh, lending facilities to warehouse trade uh, deals as they put them into the fund, or they they do it they do it a deal and you you finance that, but basically they're going to make that capital call and the money's going to come in about six weeks or whatever it might be from Ontario teachers or or an investor. And so you basically have what Ontario kind of debt because they're going to pay sort of thing. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, let's say it's a a billion dollar fund and the capital call is 5 billion for teachers. Um, uh, You typically have a notice period to call that capital. We then bridge that event. Um, So from an administrative function, if you're the general partner or the finance or the the CFO of the fund, you then... um, you don't have to call capital as frequent and chase down a bunch of right. your investors. You can use our facility to smoothen that out. It also allows you, um, because the rate on those loans, given the risk, is quite low relative to the actual mm-hmm. underwriting of the deals that the investor is focusing on. You allow to amplify your returns as well or smoothen them out by use of the using the yeah, facility. Yeah, because I've got a secured line of credit but for the uh, for the funds. That's really cool. And... Um, and then for, for Rebecca, for your shop, do you deal typically with, uh, or who, who, who are your main clients? Is it the issuers of the funds or is it the investors or someone in between like a wealth manager or, um, and kind of who do you, who do you aspire or who, who do you think you were going to have as clients? Is that, is that a different to, uh, to what's uh, come to pass? We have a broad base of clients. It's really everyone who's involved in in the transactional environment. So sometimes it'll be the issuer directly or the uh, fund that's forming. Sometimes it'll be more of an enterprise client or brokerage or a law Mm -hmm. firm who buys a license to use for their clients and provide us with deals. The KYC solution that we recently launched is for uh, mainly exempt market dealers, IROC brokers, uh, or other, you know, some people who are registered, some funds who are registered as EMDs are using it um, as part of their oh, yeah. onboarding solution. 
Yeah, everyone's trying to streamline the paperwork. I remember when I was a, I was a broker actually in the '90s, and there were some hedge funds coming out of the pipe, and and I was like, "What is all this?" And that was before the the mountain of paperwork you have to do now. <laughs> yeah. It's just why does how how come there isn't a better way? And I guess there is now. Eh? There is now. Yeah, it's uh, the digital age. You know, is a bonus. That's cool. And then so how? Oh yeah, so digital age, so everything. There's absolutely no signatures. You know, you don't take the forms and just just scan them and stuff like that. Everything they do is like, how would you do a, a, a transaction like from start to finish? Yeah, so we take uh, the documents that a legal counsel prepares for for a fund, and we digitize those and translate them into a securities law based question flow. So I I call it like TurboTax for securities law, mm-hmm. that investors can be provided with a secure link. You can post that link in a data room. You can text it to people and they can click on it, go through and answer some plain language questions that help them complete their documentation. You think about a lot of the times if you're forming a fund, the documentation for an investor to go through is so cumbersome. They just don't want to spend the time and they put it off and they put it off. So through DealMaker, we make that process very easy for them so the fund can get formed faster. And we do payment collection as well. So they can do the entire transaction completely online in under six minutes. Wow, that's uh, (laughs) that is very quick. Um, And then so this has got to be great for you because um, well, not really great, but it's a crisis and such. But there's because people probably may not even want to get subscription documents in the mail because you got to let them sit for three days before, uh, you know, the COVID virus is supposedly off of it. So. Um, are you seeing a pickup on that or is it, I guess it's only been about four weeks since we've gone into lockdown or two, two to four weeks. Uh, well, what have you seen on the, on the business side there? Yeah. So we are seeing overall a, a steady number of deals continue to be posted, uh, specifically a lot of the U S deals that we do continuing strong. Um, mm-hmm. so while I, I'm sure overall the number of deals being done out there has slowed, um, for us, there's been a bit of an uptick just because you have people moving on to a digital solution faster. Um, deals are continuing to be funded and closed, just not at the same pace or volume, I would say. Right. And then so you're Canada and U.S. And so is there any restriction of for regulator or anything? Or you, you literally do one in Japan or is there anything that you wouldn't yeah. do um, any areas or? No, I mean, we're it's an English-speaking platform only, so generally we get okay. the quickest adoption in, in those kinds of jurisdictions, but we've done transactions for Australian issuers, UK companies, wow. investors from all over the world. Sometimes we'll get, you know, some Chinese inquiries into the mailbox, which is always interesting. Um, <laughs> but one of the things I, I've particularly noticed in this, um, you know, in coronavirus is, is the Americans being a bit a bit more active than the Canadians. I think there's there's a bit more confidence in that market that things will return to normal sooner. That's uh-huh. not that's not quantitative based. That's just my perspective um, from the conversations I've had there. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I like think every every country has a bit of a bit of a flavor we've seen. Um, well, this is pretty pretty cool technology. So is this the type of thing that uh, Shez, that you, that you you guys would back, like a, a SaaS type of investment like this where uh, obviously in growth stage or, or, or maybe what kind of stages do you guys prefer and then what other kind of opportunities are you seeing? Yeah, so we are a full uh, lifestyle focused firm. So we'll go anyone 
any firm that is uh, hmm. even pre-revenue uh, that has that has a good idea, um, but a, again, a venture equity investor that is uh, backing that business. Um, and then anywhere to a, a large SaaS business that has that is very entrenched with its customers, has good recurring revenue. Um, and we have facilities that um, match those types of businesses. So uh, if you think of an early stage business, um, that's pre-revenue, um, it's an idea, there's something very novel and proprietary about it. And a venture capital investor uh, puts in an equity check. Um, and, uh, and we know that there's a clear list of milestones mm-hmm. that can be established. Uh, we can then provide some venture debt, um, to that, to that, to that company. Um, let's say that idea then just eventually gets formalized to, uh, is, or commercialized for that matter. Um, and, uh, the contract modality, let's say is mm-hmm. SaaS based, then we can then provide more growth capital, like a term loan. Uh, or a recurring uh, revenue line as well to help facilitate the, the working capital of the, of the business um, in a larger format. And so uh, it's very much so we grow with the companies over time. Um, but unlike other banks, we'll start with businesses very much so that are at times pre-revenue, but you know, we're providing debt to those companies uh, along with the investors that will, that will back them. So uh, we're full life cycle. Um, and by and it's very much so again by virtue of the fact of the industry mm-hmm. that we serve, it's technology and healthcare, uh, and you're getting a lot of you know you're, that's where you see the epicenter of, of idea generation and innovation. So uh, uh, we try and get in as early as possible. Very cool. So you always need a venture capitalist in there, or if if a founder came to you and said, "Hey, I got this thing, and I I I'm going to self fund it. I don't really need anybody else on that side, but I just need some." some venture debt, uh, or maybe just the factoring side, like you're, you're mentioning, um, would that something you guys do or you need to like another party there to, I don't know, just kind of go, go through all the, the venture capital, uh, stages or, um, process with them. Yeah, it is, uh, for the most part, we focus on venture cap venture backed businesses. Um, so if you think of the United States, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we fund 70, 70% of, of venture, uh, backed companies. Um, uh, there are instances where we'll do bootstrapped uh, uh, businesses where there, you know, there's 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 no um, underlying third-party equity investor. Um, but again, those are companies that again are a little more established, um, uh, and uh, and and so. Uh, but it's again, it's it's on a case-by-case basis. The, the core of our business is to is to be holistic. So we we back and bank the investors and the companies that they are funding. So what maybe. Are there any things that you're seeing on the, the healthcare side that sounds kind of cool in your portfolio that uh, that's maybe coming down the pipe? COVID specific, uh, I wouldn't say in terms of, you know, we haven't seen anything yet, you know, with a company dealing with a vaccine. I mean, things are yeah. moving so quickly. Um, there are there are um, uh, uh, cybersecurity uh, companies mm-hmm. that are our customers uh, or, or facial recognition um, uh, businesses. They are augmenting their businesses and to some degree to see if there's any value proposition that they can have to help um, um, alleviate some of the or protect any spread or monitor any spread of, of the novel virus. But right now, what I can tell you in terms of investor sentiment, uh, it's very much so focused, focusing on uh, your, the companies that you have already backed or right. invested in for that matter. And what is their liquidity position? 
um, what are tweaks or vulnerabilities to their underlying business plan? And is there any risk for impairment um, by virtue of those, those factors? Uh, it's also an opportunity to revisit the business model to say, okay, well, what are, what are opportunities that we have uh, um, where we can uh, be opportunity, where we can take advantage of the situation, i.e. acquire another competitor uh, or a customer um, of a competitor who's just not getting the service um, given, given the environment that we're in. Um, but I would say 90% of investors right now are not, not focused on deploying ancillary capital uh, on new transactions. It's very much so hunkering down on your existing portfolio. Um, because this has all happened extremely fast in, in a month's time. Yeah. Uh, it seems like a year, really, but in a month, I uh, Yeah. Especially because, you know, the the data and the risk was, for the most part, in front of all of us. We all knew that this was a potential risk where it could spread into North America. But um, very much so investors were caught flat-footed uh, in terms of the speed at which and the impact that it would have. So it's it's um, it's very much so hunker down and try and protect your existing capital uh, and worry about the deployment thereafter. Yeah, you're right. The speed it was just amazing. Hey, Rebecca, you are, you mentioned that things have kind of I don't know if you mentioned things have slowed down or 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 kind of steady steady state for you. What what have you seen? Uh, and then what what do you think is going to happen as a people kind of think? Well, it might be a year, and we got to figure out how to get some money in the door, or B um, things go back to normal and then like, where are people, are people going to use, would people be using your digital signature, uh, transaction software a lot more than, than before, or is this kind of an impetus for people to change or is it, uh, you think it'll go back to the paper-based stuff? Yeah, I think, um, overall the impact that this has on on people's behaviors will depend on how long the economic impact is, which depends on a number of unknown factors like how successful social distancing is, whether the virus mutation causes recurrence of outbreaks, the rate at which vaccines are developed, how impactful the economic policy responses are. Um, and I think one that people seldom talk about is the impact on mental health. Um, mm. You know, that that COVID may have as well if this continues for a long time or or if unfortunately death rates go up. So I think the longer the economic compression is, the more entrenched new policies like limitations on travel budget, work from home policies, and and particularly e-signature permissioning in new areas of the economy will become. The longer people operate under these conditions, then the, the more regular it will feel and seem and the longer the impact will be. Um, so I think we definitely have seen, you know, some disruption on the diffusion of innovation curve where you have people slowly adopt and when they see their neighbor adopt, people are now being forced to adopt technology. Um, people who might have adopted later on the curve are now being forced to adopt earlier. So um, I think technology is a good bet. I think um, because of that, I think a lot of different technologies, ours included, of course, I'm biased, but but we'll see some gains from this uh, for us, because I think deal volume and investment volume has slowed down at the moment. We've sort of stayed 
we're up up a bit, but we've stayed somewhat regular as people are just hanging on and assessing the situation. Where we really will start to see the uptick is in, over the next couple of months and beyond. Cool. And uh, what, what do you think of that, Chase? Yeah, I mean, I, I can step back and just say as um, what we're doing um, as an institution right now uh, in terms of our part. So for one, um, f- for any of our uh, technology or healthcare companies that have a venture debt loan that is less than $10 million, um, we are at the borrower's option um, providing a six-month um, principal amortization holiday. And this is, you know, um, there's no discrimination as to, you know, what your credit worthiness is of the underlying business. It's just almost across the board. And the reason why we were, you know, um, so aggressive in this stance is because um, uh, this is a supply and demand shock and uh, it happened at the same time, which is unprecedented. And so um, you need to act fast. Uh, similar to how um, both, you know, the, our monetary policy and the fiscal policy has been moved fairly quickly. If you compare the policy response relative to the to the financial oh, yeah. crisis, it's remarkable. It's yeah. weeks. Um, the, the implementation of that is it can be another debate. Uh, but um, you know, we uh, as corporate citizens have to you know follow that pace of speed because um, you, this needs to trickle down a, as fast as possible. We're, we're, we're also focusing on, on backing some charities as well. So as, in, as a firm, uh, we've pledged you know, $5 million, $1 million of that is going to high-impact organizations that you know, range all the way from the John Hopkins Center for Health uh, Security, um, the Bill and Melinda Gates Philanthropy Partners for the COVID-19 Fund. Um, so a host of, host of special interest groups that can help us combat what's going on right now. Um, and, and that's that is what we're we're doing um, as a firm. So, yeah, definitely doing doing our part. And, and you know, to Rebecca's point, I mean, yes, tech, the adoption of technology most certainly uh, uh, is going to increase. I mean, you just look at Zoom's uh, daily uh, daily active users. It was something like uh, uh, ten million pre crisis, and it's well over a hundred million now. So, yeah. um, definitely. Uh, in and a, and a month's time. So definitely the adoption pace is, 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 is rapid. Um, but I do think as a society, generally speaking, we are coping well uh, to the change. Um, now, I'm, my lens is through the service industry, so it's, it's easier to work from home mm-hmm. and embrace technology. But um, from that vantage point, I think um, we've, we've adapted. And at SVB, it's, it's business as usual. Deals are moving forward. Yeah, I think I'm one of the uh, later adopters in that. There was a, few, a couple months ago, somebody wanted to do, they have a call. Okay, so he had the, a link, and I, I opened it up, and there's, there's he's there, like his face, and I'm like, oh, crap, I'm, you know. Um, I had, it was a Monday. I don't think I'd shaved yet because it was home office <laughs> on Monday. And uh, he's like, oh, you should oh, turn your camera. And I was like, ah, oh, God. I'm like, this guy's weird, man. Why do you want to have a camera? What's going on here? And now I just love it. <laughs> like we have, yeah. we have people on camera. It's like, hey, turn on your camera, man. Let's see what's going on over there. <laughs> Let me see your kids. <laughs> that was one of the things that we did. I mean, for us as well, uh, like Silicon Valley Bank, I mean, as a tech company, we are pretty well set up to, to move to a work from home. All our solutions are cloud-based. We're on Slack. Our solution itself is cloud-based. So it was a natural move for us, but there are some good practices and policies 
um, that we've implemented that I think uh, have really helped the cadence of our day-to-day, like regular daily team meetings, um, status check-ins on those calls to ensure people are getting some level of human interaction and that they're used to. It's easy to just jump on Mm -hmm. a video call and just do business and then hang up. So um, it's important, you know, we give people a little bit of an opportunity to socialize there um, because it's hard. You know, we have a really tight team and everyone genuinely misses seeing each other every day. It's um, so, so those little things I think can really help people keep up uh, productivity. Great. Thanks. And this is for Shez. How are you or the VCs that you invest alongside with uh, able to do diligence on a company or a borrower without actually visiting them or doing a, a face-to-face interview? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, and a lot of that, you know, um, is, is, is forward thinking and to some degree speculative mm-hmm. on my part, uh, because we just don't know at this juncture, but assuming if we use kind of things as status quo, I think right now, um, as I mentioned, we're fo- everybody is focused on what they currently have in terms of their yeah. current exposure, but life must go on and deals must progress. So fundraising is still happening um, from an investor perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, deals are still getting done, but uh, new deals that are occurring, I suspect in the near term will be predicated on those where um, institutions have an existing relationship with the, the, the major counterparty. Um, because there's an element of trust and particularly in private markets, oh, yeah. trust is everything. So, so um, that where there is ex- existing estab- uh, relationships established, um, you will see new business activity at some point in time. And that could be, that could be as near as a month and a half where deals have already been live. Those are obviously progressing um, because everyone has met people, uh, you know, seen every, the whites of everyone's eyes. Uh, they've gone and done likely on-site diligence. M&A processes, right, process in general that are kind of in a first bid uh, situation. I think those are right now all stalled. Right. Um, um, uh, because, you know, there could be the risk of, of, of pricing being retraded or augmented to reflect the new uh, um, systemic risk that's kind of going on, or people just don't want to sell. Um, but but business will continue to go along. It's just going to take a longer time to do because everyone is figuring this out. But things will have to progress because you can't stop the economy. Yeah, not for too long. Yeah, and even even a slowing even a slowing of growth, especially for some markets, it's uh, like when uh, they said China was going below ten percent growth. You're like, what? That's terrible. <laughs> but uh, now who knows what it's going to be? Um, like it's. Uh, Exactly. Thinking about this at the, at the, you know, there will be, there is light at the end of the tunnel and it's really a function of mm-hmm. we as society have always uh, persevered. And just looking at this crisis versus previous ones, you've seen the positive in humanity. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Shaz. like, you know, I've, I've been really impressed with the positive attitude of everyone that I've seen as an entrepreneur, you know, there's always something changing under your feet. So the idea to me is just to respond and adapt as fast as possible. And um, there's been some interesting recent publications by VCs who 
uh, say that they have made a practice of investing in companies by not meeting with them face to face. And they they found it helpful because it helps them broaden their investment network, find companies in different geographies, reduce snap judgment heuristics about opportunities based on appearance. So how much of that mm. gets adopted on a more widespread basis? Yeah, like it, it remains to be seen. And I think it goes back to how long this lasts. Um, but I think in the post-corona world, unquestionably, technology will play a much larger role. Yeah, I think we probably, in some senses, we are in a post-corona world. So where are you seeing opportunities? Or maybe from your, your uh, where do you think they might be? Where, where do you see kind of like a couple key areas that people that are investors might go, oh, okay, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, I would say uh, general thesis formation uh, is digital education and healthcare, um, especially as both of those public sector systems are completely underfunded. Rebecca, any thoughts there? Yeah, I think um, technology generally is something I expect to see. I think in the capital markets in general, um, there's a level of disruption that's all already quietly started. So the seeds are there and some of the technology is there. So there's going to be a real shift um, towards the online marketplaces that are being mm. created. There's uh, been a lot of articles going around about how the best tech, tech companies are forged during recessionary times. And, and I've definitely felt that, you know, things that you can let slip by when the going is good, um, you really have to buckle down and look, dig deep and fix them when times get a bit tougher. And so I think, you know, the capital markets in general has has operated um, with a lot of areas that could be shored up. Oh, and, yeah. I, and I expect it'll have some impact. Yeah. I think back in the day, you have the digital KYC. And I remember back in, I, I, we had stuff with, you know, carbon paper in the 90s when we were filling it out. And <laughs> the clients never even had to see it. So now it's it's entirely different. Um this has been really great. Uh, thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, Shez, for uh, for your time today. And we'll uh, look forward to having you on another podcast sometime soon. Thanks, Shez. Thanks, James. It's been great. My pleasure. pleasure. Thank you very much.